0: Everyone and welcome to the only podcast that scored fewer goals last night than the Dallas Stars on the power play. It's time to do a little bit of stargazing nights. Taylor, first playoff podcast. Uh, how are you?
1: You know, uh, hanging in there. Could be better. Could be worse. Just like last night's game.
0: Just like last. I mean, it's it, we're going to get into that. So you know, these will be. For as long as the stars care to uh, entertain us, we'll be doing these podcasts after each game. We're going to talk, obviously, about game one uh, now that it is it concluded in the books. And then we will also look ahead to game two in the series in general. There's plenty uh, plenty to keep just the most positive fan base in the whole NHL busy, um, <laughs> I would say. And I, I like—honestly, I think you you put it really well, you know, doing okay. A little bit of good, a little bit of bad. It was— it was a game full of things to react to on either side of the ledger. Would you say that's fair?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't have John Klingberg being ejected from the game on my bingo card. Like, did not see that one coming. So, like, and at this, least to keep it entertaining.
0: I mean, this is also, and I'm, I'm, I know that I'm lame and having this opinion but this is like reason number 1000 why wes lawrence says good players should never fight john klingberg of course drops the gloves um at the end of the first period gets his jersey tucked over his head you know unbeknownst to john as we learned after the game there is a rule in the nhl that says if you start a fight after another fight has started you get a game misconduct and get tossed so john klingberg inadvertently gets himself thrown out of a game that the Dallas Stars would wind up losing 1 to nothing and would wind up going 0 for 5 on the power play including i think two of those power plays or one in a bit came before Klingberg got tossed and three cla came after he left so um you know we're we're coming in hot that that just that one landed right on top of one of my biggest pet peeves. I was even before I knew he was going to get tossed because I admit that I wasn't clear on that rule either when it happened. I was, I was nothing but steamed when I saw him start to throw down last night.
1: I mean, I'm always concerned when I see a a top tier talent <laughs> start to to throw fists that he's going to end up breaking his hand. And I mean, he breaks his hand and you're done. Like, <laughs> and that is like if nothing else. John Klingberg is really good at handling the puck. I mean, just look at the power play and see that Dallas could not find a power play zone entry to save their mother-effing lives.
0: Taylor, I would prefer not to look at the power play. I think it's cruel and unusual to force anybody to watch Dallas on the Extra Man right now.
1: I don't understand why it's so bad. I, it I is cannot bad. cannot fathom, like, uh, what did y'all do, coaching staff, to break it? Like, it was actually pretty decent last year. It was good to start the season. And then somewhere along the way, they got so bad that they became, like, one of the worst in the league.
0: I mean, and and here's oh. let me let me read you just some some minutes. Obviously, five power plays. There's a lot of time to go around, right? But think about the usual suspects: Joe Pavelski, five minutes on the power play; Robertson, five sixteen; Hints, four forty eight; Miro Heiskanen, five twenty nine; Ryan Suter got five twenty two because I guess somebody has to play with Miro. But you know, Sagan, four fifty seven; Radulov, I guess, you know, four twelve; Gurianna, four like. This wasn't even a even one of those strange games where he's in, where the team is inexplicably starting Radic Foxa with the extra man or, or doing it like it was the guys that you would put out there with the extra man and just nothing. A big old nothing burger.
1: Fully anticipating that Luke Glendinning ends up on one of the power play units, if only because the the team or the coaching staff feels that. They need guys that will, are willing to go into the hard areas and, and fight for pucks, which is what Radulov is actually very good at. And I don't disagree to an extent, but like Jason Robertson does that. Ruben yeah. does that. That's,
0: well, it, that, that is classic like troglodyte NHL coach overthink is, oh, the power play is not going well. Therefore, I'm going to send a message to the skill guys by putting somebody that has no business being out there in that situation on the ice, and that'll fix it.
1: Instead of, I don't know, looking at what made you better and saying, maybe we should change the way that we plan to enter the zone. Maybe we need to change up um, our zone entries. Maybe we do need to do less dump and chase. Maybe we don't need to drop pass every time.
0: I mean, just looking looking at the composition of this team, a dump and chase on the power play is just the worst. It's just, just such an inefficient. Oh my gosh, I'm so mad. And and, and which like gets I get
1: it. I mean, I get that Calgary, like they and and but here's the thing is when your power play is so predictable and your zone entries are so predictable, makes it really easy for the other team to game plan against you. So what did Calgary do? They stacked up three guys at the line. Dallas was never able to get the puck can pass them. Where's the heavy forecheck that you talk about and that you take part in? If I mean, you cannot do it on the power play. With a main advantage, how do you expect to do it in the rest of the game?
0: And then that, that's the book on the stars, right? Like make them, make them gain. The, like if if you stand them up even a little bit, right? All you have to do is win the battle for the dump and chase, and and that just un- negates so much of their offense. It's, it's just frustrating. Which, as we mentioned at the start as, at the start of the podcast, whip sawing back around. Part of what makes it so frustrating, in my opinion, is that game was there for the taking last night. They were, you know, exactly. obviously the first the first period was an issue and we'll get back to that. But if you just look at the three periods on the whole, right, part of it was the power plays and both teams got five. So it was even but it was a, a, a kind of scummy hitting disjointed, you know, mismatch of a game. And Dallas was in it the entire time. And it's one of those when when you're a light scoring team that gets handed five power plays in a road game to open an NHL playoff series. That's one of the ones that really, really hurts to lose.
1: I mean, if nothing else, you should have at least had the equalizer. And like this, I think the even more frustrating part is look at what Jake Odinger did. He kept you in that game. He was unreal in my opinion. Yeah. Um Absolutely. And- I think there were some question marks headed into the series of, you know, is Ottinger going to be able to withstand the pressure? It's his first start, you know, in the NHL and the playoffs. And, you know, it's like his first real true season. And is he tired? He didn't look great down the stretch. So you kind of wondered, like, how's he going to do? And, and they're I mean, playing against that an objectively great
0: offense. Throw that one on top of it. It's not like they're playing against some... You know, scrub offense. They're playing against a a very high quality opponent.
1: Yeah. So like, you wasted Jake Ottinger. So like, good job, good thought, job,
0: guys. Good job. Well, well, the, you wasted a couple of things, right? I, you know, it it would it would stun me. We know how we know how the NHL and officiating works. They're they're probably not getting five power plays again. <laughs> they're, you know, they they wasted a, a a special teams heavy road game. They wasted a fantastic performance on the ro- road by Jake Ottinger. They gave up. They didn't give up anything, even strength. Right, They, they played in, in so many phases of the game. Things went exactly as you would want them as a Stars fan, and they came away with nothing, which is just a real kick in the teeth.
1: But in some ways, if I were a Calgary Flames fan, I might be a little bit concerned, just teeny bit, just a little bit. That's not- a nugget of doubt because, uh, to me, I think that was Calgary's best. Like They threw everything at Dallas. Right. They were coming at them. They were standing up. You know, they were able to disrupt their forecheck. They got around the back check. I mean, they were putting everything into that game. The crowd was definitely into it from puck drop. And, and they and they rewarded their home base with a great performance. And this was by no means Dallas's best game.
0: No. And, and it also goes back to look at the season series. They were all close games. And, you know, we've read a lot in the buildup to the series about how this is a brutal matchup and how Calgary is, you know, favored for a reason. They're one of the very best teams in the NHL. But at, to your point, like, there were no caveats, I'll say, in terms of if, if you look at last night's game, there was no, you know, I guess losing, losing, um, I forget the name of the defenseman that got tossed right alongside. Um,
1: Rasmus Anderson.
0: There you go, Rasmus Anderson. Losing Anderson hurt. He's He's a very good player for them. But, like. This wasn't a game like his power plays were straight up, even five on five. Right. So this wasn't a situation where there were a lot of external factors and caveats where you can look at it and say, you know, Dallas was in it, but were they really in it? Like, no, they they were. They, you know, they, they weren't, um, may not have never... always
1: looked like they were, but they were.
0: They, they never got yeah i mean i would say the first period was as bad as it looked throughout the duration and getting three shots in the third as we kind of parse it in was you know there there were rewards not saying that dallas played a perfect game by any stretch but to your point it, it felt like it was much it felt like calgary was executing as well as they wanted to and that got them a one nothing victory and so you got to take a little bit of, heart of that as a stars
1: fan i mean to me that's the positive you know and i look at the one nothing game that Dallas pulled out against Tampa Bay a few weeks ago, arguably their best game all season, in my opinion. And, they, and it basically kind of looks like what we saw last night from Calgary's side. And so if Dallas didn't play like they did against Tampa, I think Calgary does have a little bit of a challenge on their hands. And, you know, I do think in some ways the experience of this team where most of these guys were in the bubble, in the Stanley Cup run, whatever, and know what it takes to go four series, of best of sevens deep, uh, could come into play because you know if they can just figure out a way to come back to Texas with this with this series split, you know Dallas gains a lot of confidence in that, and I do you know like I do wonder if Calgary doesn't have quite the playoff experience.
0: To rely upon and they certainly it's it's one of those and who knows how much this actually impacts the the players in the room but it's an expectations thing as well right like the way that we're talking about last night's game if you're a if you're a stars fan you're mad they lost, right? The power plays were there for the taking. It was one to nothing. There were chances. There's a lot that could be improved on. Like there's as a, from the stars perspective and hell, if you want a a counterpoint, just look at how uh, Nashville did against Colorado, you know, like that's. So as a stars fan, you look at last night's game and you think, Hey, you know what? A couple things get cleaned up. Just one or two breaks is maybe enough to flip this thing on its head. And Hey, we we've got a different result. If if you're a Flames fan, you, you didn't do what you were expected to do, right? You didn't get anything even strength from the the Goudreau, Kachuk and um, you know Lindholm line. They needed a power play to get their goal. You you didn't get a a you know blow away dominant offensive performance, right? You gave up too many power plays to a team that you should be kind of you know just looking at the stats maybe running roughshod over a little bit. So if if you're a Flames fan there's some stuff you're probably angrier about and to your point you're one up in the series it doesn't matter if you come to Dallas two up in the series it probably still doesn't matter but it is the kind of thing that if Dallas um you know like i said if they get those couple of bounces and come home with the split if you're the flames that's maybe a little bit uncomfortable and especially if Dallas can then you know enjoy some home cooking and and you know you can see a path where all of the sudden a team like Calgary that has failed in the past and carries some baggage for being a failure in the past, you can see how that might start to be more of an issue than it would be for a stars team that, you know, kind of fought and clawed and overcame adversity and, and kind of stumbled. in the. you know, there's, there's not as much of a, there's not as much of a Dallas is playing with house money a little bit more, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: For sure.
0: It could it's, happen. It could. and it, So, Keep keeping focus. So you know, kind of going to go back and forth So things I liked. Um, you know, they didn't score. Obviously, that's something I don't like. We talked about the power plays, but Tyler Sagan, three shots, Jamie Benn three shots. Right? You can get into the quality of shot argument, given how Dallas played. But this team is is has been you know starved for non top line scoring all season, and it's nice to see. At the very least, it's nice to see Ben and Sagan leading the roster in terms of shots on goals from last night's game. It's too few, but they were at least engaged. Flip side, just we're gonna we're gonna play, and you probably know this because you're a brilliant genius. But if if we're gonna play the over-under on um number of shots for the top line, I'm gonna give you two and a half shots for the top line. Do you take the over or the under?
1: I mean, normally I would take the over, but I feel like you're setting me up for failure here. So over?
0: <laughs> Question mark? It's big time under. Well, not big time under. Uh, Robertson had a shot. Hintz had a shot. And Pavelski didn't have any. And you can, you can get into, again you're starting to get into the chance debate and you know, there was that late setup. I think it was Pavelski played Henson clean and he missed wide side high, right? Not a shot on goal doesn't count still a chance. So you can, you can get into it a little bit. Robertson hit a post, I believe on a power play late, like, technically not a shot, but it is a chance. So you can get into it a little bit and say, Hey, you know, they, they, it's not like they didn't get anything, but Reality is, right, Dallas's offense lives and dies based on how that top line goes, and if they get two shots on goalie, that's, uh, that's not going to be a recipe for success, especially, like, you know, we're talking Hintz had one shot on net, he played almost five minutes on the power play. Robertson had one shot on net, he played 516 on the power play. Pavelski didn't get a shot on net, he played five minutes on the power play. That is brutal, and it has to change for Dallas to have any hope here.
1: But can we talk about how great Miro Heiskanen was?
0: <laughs> we can always talk about how great Miro Heiskanen is. He's he is a wonder.
1: Because I mean, he he played what? Like gosh, almost half the game.
0: Twenty nine fifty seven.
1: Yep, basically half the game. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yep. So ha- he played half the game, the most of any person on the ice by far outside the goalies, um, and.
0: Yeah, I think he's up. He's four minutes up on number two, like which is Ryan minutes, Suter, and four minutes up on the nearest. I think Chris Tanev at twenty five fifty one gets the closest on the flame side. So yeah, Miro Miro put on a clinic.
1: And I, and like I can't remember a single play where he just got completely torched.
0: No, in fact, there right. was a a two on one. I believe it might have been it might have been Manjupani, It might have been Bre- It might have been um. Uh, it might have been, I forget, it might have been Toffoli late, but there was a two-on-one, and Haskinen was defending. And usually, you know, the good defensive play is you take you either take away the pass or you take away the shot, and you let the goalie deal with the one you didn't get. And Hintz took the third option, which is he took the pass and the shot. And by the time, he had so so mystified the Calgary forward that by the time he finally did get a shot off, he was two feet in front of Andrew, put it right into his logo. It was one of the most, like... Miro barely looked like he was breathing. He could have been, he probably had an audio book in his helmet. He's doing, he's multitasking, working on the day's Wordle. And he just, there was nothing. It was, it was just breathtaking to see a two on one develop. And Miro was the one. And so it just was irrelevant. And he's, he's reached the point with me where, as soon as I realized it was number four, my level of anxiety for the two on one basically evaporated because it's a yeah, Miro. It's fine.
1: You know, here's the thing. So, I, it, this is kind of crazy to me. I hadn't actually looked at the, the numbers from last night's or from Tuesday night's game, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, and in looking at the five on five play, in the first period dallas actually took two out of the three high danger chances for which is honestly surprising because they only had 38 percent of the scoring chances for but in the high danger areas they did a good job getting there um they were zero percent in the second period which most people thought was their best period in high danger and 50 50 in the third so overall the high danger chances ended up evening out exactly 50-50. Yeah. Yeah. At even. With expected goals for of like 0.87 to 0.77. So essentially, this game basically played out exactly as the numbers said that it would.
0: <laughs> yeah, it did. Which is again, they were in it, right? It was a one-nothing game. They they weathered the the early charge and got their counter punches in in the second period and faded a bit in the third and you know, you wish the power play. So what kind of starting to pivot into talking more about the second period. So what do you see your, you know, put your, put your Lindy rough, um, you know, well coiffed flowing hair wig on and tell me about the adjustments or tell me about what you want to tweak from this game heading into game number two.
1: When did I become Lindy rough?
0: Oh God. That's where my brain is today. Sorry, the kids are yelling in the other... Uh, Rick bonus. So I was like, just dreaming uh, you know, about better two, days. Two
1: coaches ago. Uh, three coaches ago? Three coaches ago. Three coaches ago. Oh, back when it was fun. Gracious. Time is a circle. Um. So if I put on my... Am I putting on my Derek Laxdoll power play coach vest?
0: I mean, hopefully Derek Laxdall is taking his power play coach vest off, but I, I, please continue.
1: I mean, so that's one thing that I think if I were the coaching staff, I would probably, and I want to say, and I keep, and I think I've said this before. I think during that bubble run, during the round robin, the coaching staff mixed up the coaching assignments Um, and bonus took over some things um, that he normally didn't take care of in the regular season. And I do wonder, and then all of a sudden things started to click. So like, I do wonder if maybe that's an adjustment that could be made. Be super nice if we had a power play that didn't make you want to stab your eyeballs out while um, watching it. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but you know, so like if I'm Rick Bonus, I might consider something like that just to give a new voice. And I'm not saying that necessarily it's all salt, salt because players have to execute. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day. But I do wonder if maybe just like a fresh new voice. Telling them what to
0: do helps at all, and especially um, like we. To your point, I, I like that you're calling that out. This isn't exactly a situation where you know the power play was fantastic a week ago and they had an off night, right? This is a case correct. where at one point they were top of the league and now they're mired as, as as Razor might say they're they're mired in guh. So I think the the new voice thing, yeah, change it's, it's what they're it doing them? isn't working and hasn't for a while. So let's mix it up.
1: I mean that is what they say the definition of insanity is. Right. Second, different results as you do the same thing. Um, so like I, I would maybe look into something like that. Um, you know, I think having Klingberg back just in general, um, as long as he doesn't, you know, now that he knows the rule, don't do that again. Um, now that he's got
0: a taste for blood.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh but like if Klingberg. you know, that's the thing is and and actually this is the one thing that, you know, as a Stars fan should be super concerning headed into next season, if you consider a future without John Klingberg in the lineup at all, is uh, who's who's going to be responsible for getting that puck into the zone and actually kicking off an offensive push on the man advantage without John Klingberg? Because while they may not be great at it when Klingberg is in the lineup all the time, they are atrocious without him.
0: Yeah, it all—they basically it's it's muro, and there's really not a lot of of puck progression from the defensive zone into the offensive zone. I mean, it's it's to your point. It's why they're so reliant on the dump and chase. Who like, else? I don't
1: understand how p- your zone entry plan is not give the puck to Robertson or Hints and have them skated in.
0: Honestly, I think the problem is there's nobody that can get you. It's you have to get them the puck in space on time. With with a seam, right, and I think when you look at that back line, Haskinen excluded. I don't think that there's anybody on the back line that can that can do that. You need a defenseman that can, you know, get the puck, move with the puck, right, let that lane develop, and then deliver the puck. And outside of Klingberg and Haskinen, nobody on the You're back not line that can really. It's it's, it's, it's yeah. I don't even think it's a patient. When you know Johnny Johnny is not going end to end you know what i mean we've we've essa has been on this team for forever
1: hey essa like, had a breakaway chance he
0: did i know and okay. he tried his little heart out but i just mean like it's just not that his.
1: was the most bizarre play like of all of the plays that one was what most one where i was like wait who is that back there
0: it was and one of their best chances with the so extra man behind the
1: play like what's happening
0: but it's just you know unfortunately right to 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 deliver the passes right to get Robertson and hence and to some degree right Sagan or Pavelsky or to get the stars forwards into the zone with possession you have to be able to get the puck from the defensive zone into at least the neutral zone in a way that then allows you to deliver it to the forwards entering the zone with possession and that's where this team just and and you know maybe you give Harley a look Although I I cannot fathom this coaching staff putting Thomas Harley into a playoff game, my my, I, I might.
1: They they will not at least not in Calgary because I think Rick Bonus literally said we're not going to play anybody who hasn't played Calgary before.
0: I mean, oh cool. my God! Then how do you if you can't if you can't get the job without the experience? How do you get the experience? Like they played. This is where I'm, and this is just me. It's so like box wanting tail. an
1: intern that has, you know, five years worth of it, of ex- on-the-job experience.
0: <laughs> right? And I, I say this with with all the love in my heart for a an able-bodied, noble-serving depth defenseman. But thinking about how last night's game developed, they gave Joel Hanley 12 minutes and 43 seconds worth of ice time. It's just one of those points. Of like, you can't
1: tell the- me that Thomas Harley is any better or any worse in that kind of time. Right?
0: Time. Like I mean especially like, I even if it. you don't think he can handle that much like give give Lindell and and give Hockenpa two more minutes each and all of a sudden you know what I mean like you can and it's just one of those like looking at capabilities and again I, this is going to come across as me ripping on Hanley and it's not how I mean it but like to your point right Dallas could not get the puck into the offensive zone possession they struggled on the power play they struggled they struggled with the skill aspects of the game Hanley's not going to help with that so what are those what what are you functionally like you know put, again putting your now that I know the correct coach I'm putting your Rick Bonus hat on functionally what what is the purpose of that 12 minutes and 43 seconds right is it just to give Miro Heiskanen a little bit of extra rest or are I mean, you he actually, can't
1: be on the ice for 45 minutes games. In he he probably
0: I I have not seen him. I would
1: have him?
0: And <laughs> <laughs> Muro has reached a point with me, Taylor, that until I see him fail at something, I'm going to assume he can do it. But but my point is that like and and I've, I've I have similar like at, you know at least with Joel Joel Kiviranta, he played nine fourteen. Like he he gives you some jam. He's on the four check. Like he gives you some some difference, right? Whereas Hanley just He's a serviceable number seven, dude. number eight defenseman. Like, okay, just <laughs> dude. this this team doesn't need a guy that can soak up twelve minutes. This team needs a guy that can do something different than the other five defensemen out there, and that's just not Joel. It's that it's frustrating to me.
1: Although, can we also talk about how Yoel Kiviranta looked like um, game seven?
0: Yoel yeah, Kiviranta, playoff Kiviranta,
1: Kiviranta. playoff Kiviranta. We're here for it.
0: Yeah, you know, we need it. Yes. Um <laughs> But You're so that. to to your point, like it's one of those frustration things, which is you you iced a team that didn't have the option and especially like knowing that this is gonna be a hard series, and there's gonna be even before he fought and got thrown out, they were there was a meaningful Calgary efforts to play the body on John Klingberg and, and Miro Heiskanen as well. So, wouldn't you want a third guy that can maybe do a little bit of that job just in case?
1: I mean, I would, but I am not an NHL coach.
0: But Taylor, how can you put a guy in the lineup against Calgary that has never played Calgary in the playoffs this year? <laughs>
1: Feels like a chicken and egg situation we got going here. Um, no. I know, I, I, but like, also, I do wonder you know, when you come back to home ice and you, and you get last change, and maybe you get the matchups more that you want, maybe Harley is more of an option and you feel more comfortable putting him in. But you know, at the same time, I'm just kind of sitting here going, What do you have to lose? I really yeah. want to know, what do you have to lose putting certain people into the lineup? I,
0: uh, well, I, I mean. Uh, and that's in this. I'm not even going to make this a Dallas Stars complaint because it's not. And and this is a this is 90 percent of in, yeah 90 percent of NHL coaches are more worried about giving up a goal than they are excited about scoring one. Their their entire philosophy is how do we not screw up? Because if we're the team that doesn't screw up longer, we're probably the team that wins.
1: And oh, that's that is NHL coaching. Like, it is kind of hard to argue in the playoffs because we know that the playoffs are a literal war of attrition and...
0: I mean, you you I mean, say that, but Dallas lost a one nothing game and they biffed on five power plays. Maybe a little bit of, of risk would have been in their best interest last night. Especially, you know, you're getting into, like, David's strategies and Goliath strategies. Like, Dallas is not the team that is is likely to win this series based on a lot of different numbers. So this is where one of those you can either... You know, th- this is where having Thomas Harley in the lineup, yeah, there may be negative.
1: change your fortunes. It it's, could. It's,
0: yeah, it's 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 the you pull- will know until you try. It's the pulling the goaltender argument. If Thomas Harley gives up a goal last night, Dallas loses two to nothing, and they still lose, and they're still down one nothing. Does
1: it really the change the outcome? No. <laughs>
0: exactly, but. What is the chance of that versus what is the chance of Thomas Harley making one extra play on one of five power plays that puts one puck in the back of the net and all of a sudden it's a one to one game when you're in and when you're a team like Calgary where you have what 440 goal scorers or when you're a team like Tampa Bay when everybody in the lineup can do everything that you want you know when when you've got surplus of options. It doesn't make sense to chase margins like that, right? You you probably want a steady hand, but when you're a team like Dallas that's is is outside of your top, you know, four guys, five guys, right? Nothing but steady hands. You need to inject a couple of wild cards into your deck before you just kind of putter yourself. You know, it, otherwise you're gonna you know you could after last night you could absolutely see this being one of those you know, closer, one of those sweeps where every game is a one goal game. And you look back at every game and you think, Oh, they could have won that one. And all of a sudden the series is over. It's four nothing. Like, wow, they could have won all four of those, but instead they got nothing.
1: (sighs) Why are they so?
0: (laughs) But again, and we'll, we'll close with a little bit of, of upbeat again, getting back to your, your point to open this podcast. They played well for very long stretches last night. The second period was, was great. They play, you know, there were, there were glimmers of Tampa hockey. They held a very strong Calgary offense to, you know, 26 shot on goal uh, tw- shots on goal, you know, one goal, despite five power plays, like they were up to the task of the Calgary flames last night, by and large. And and that's gotta be over the course of a long series that that's gotta give you at least a little bit of, of energy and a little bit of hope as a stars fan. I mean,
1: yeah, I think there's always hope. And here's the thing. The playoffs are supposed to be fun. Like I don't want to live in a world where I'm sitting here wanting a team that I'm watching and and have an investment in to lose really poorly in the first round of the playoffs. Like why would you want that?
0: Yeah, just don't watch. <laughs> it yeah, should bring like, you this is this should bring you joy.
1: It bring you joy. Like this is the best time of the year. It is the Stanley Cup playoffs, we all know it's the hardest To get into, and it's the hardest trophy in sports to win. (laughs) So, like, why would you not try to take the positives where you can and just like,
0: especially,
1: especially after the
0: decade the Dallas Stars have had.
1: Yeah, I mean, remember all the bankruptcy years when Dallas like didn't even play us at all. Like, is that what really what you want to go back to? Because no, thank you.
0: Yeah, no, those were bad, and and you know this is a good team, and this is it's also one of those like. Looking at the, the age breakdown like this is not this is not a situation where a, a wheels falling off creaky squad is mustering one last feeble attempt at the playoffs before everything falls apart. Like this is a no. there's there's flexibility, you know, we, we're, this is a good team and this is a, a team with options. This is a team with a future. And we should definitely want them to do well, and we should approach these games like, hey, you know, Miro Heiskanen is phenomenal, right? And he could, you know, that the Jason they're Robertson is revelation. Jason Robertson,
1: they're getting experience, and they're getting they're getting those playoff reps, so that when it comes time, if it hasn't really, I mean, I would argue that it's kind of here already. But truly, like, go heading into the next season, like they are the new core. Yeah. Like, pretty sure i mean i think
0: this season willing to
1: say that
0: now. they were the core so, this season like i think that transitions
1: yeah, but, but i mean nobody really expected it to start the year that that was going to be how it played out but
0: you mean nobody yeah. expected joe pavelski to have a career high in points playing next to to hanson robertson
1: next to his good sons no his good
0: <laughs> his sweet his sweet boys it's a nice sweet
1: baby it's a nice boys. goal you
0: got there'd be a real shame if something happened to it
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I just, and this is, you know, Ottinger's kind of coming out party and and like you want these guys to be good. You want this series to be close. You want them to find a way. I do not care if they put, you know, lipstick on a pig. If they walked out of this with a series win in my book, it's all gravy.
0: Yeah. I would I would prefer them to do that. I
1: wouldn't care how they do it. I mean, I would prefer it be nice and pretty, and you know, like four game sweep of the Colorado Avalanche in the Western Harvard Final or whatever. But like, they are no choosers here, and if it's down dirty and the Cup winning goal is off of a player's nose or butt, like I'm in.
0: I mean, Done. dirty dirty goals may have saved Tyler Sagan's career based on what we've seen over the past season. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, I just, you know, I just, I know it's been a frustrating season for Stars fans. I think there's a lot of things in the back in that people aren't aware of or don't think about. And and I'll leave you with this. Okay, this, this is how we will end this in this podcast. Are you ready? Okay. Let's roll. Wes, what do you believe the general manager's role is on a hockey team?
0: Ooh, I believe personally, that the general manager's role is to select a coach in whose philosophy he believes in, right? That he thinks will bring mm-hmm. the team success, and then to provide players that match that coach's philosophy.
1: Okay, how many okay. general managers do you think have jobs where their philosophy in the hockey team does not match the ownership?
0: Ooh, I would. You know, as an outsider, my 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 gut is it's probably more team. My gut is that the alignment between GM and and ownership is if you take like a two or three year slice of that team's level of success, that probably directly tracks to how aligned your GM and management are. Okay. Basically saying, if you're a good team, you probably have a lot of synergy between what your GM is building and what your ownership wants. And if you're a bad team, you probably have no synergy whatsoever. You're, you're the Arizona Coyotes.
1: That's, that's a tough look. Um, so, okay. So it, when when you consider that then, does that not make a lot of the decisions that, that come into play this season, whether it be personnel, free agency signings, trades, coaching staff, whatever, does that not make it a little, like give it a little bit more clarity? In a sense, what I'm trying to say is do you really think that this team would have looked any different if they had picked up a different coach in the middle of the season? I'm gonna say no.
0: Uh I'm gonna disagree because the NHL is very much a league where the dead cat bounces a thing. There's I it's, it, because, okay, okay. And i it's because rarely me ask, they would have looked
1: better. <laughs> let me ask
0: you one clarifying question, one one little caveat. <laughs> If are you, are we strictly limiting the change in fortunes to the duration of the season? Or are we talking about long-term?
1: I'm talking about long-term.
0: Then long-term, I agree with you. However, the NHL, like how many times does Martin St. Louis, right? Bruce Boudreaux, um, John Haynes had a bounce when he moved to Nashville. And he's a bad coach, right? Like there are the, the NHL is full of guys that come in as a breath of fresh air experience immediate success and then taper off dramatically so i would say that and what if it,
1: that tapering started when the playoffs started i mean yeah. if nothing else they're at least consistently inconsistent
0: no i mean i i agree there's there's always an argument but and then it's also that questions answered in a vacuum you have to adjust based on you know on on one side of the ledger you have to adjust based on the talent available and if If you're looking exclusively at crappy retreads, then sure, then making a coaching change can be ill-advised. Flip side of the ledger, there's also finances to be involved, right? Like it's really easy for a fan that doesn't have to pay two coaching salaries to say, hey, why don't they go out and throw a ton of money at at the most amazing coach in the league that doesn't have a job right now? You know, like it's it's more – I do – I do appreciate that it's more nuanced than team is bad equals coach is bad equals go get better coach.
1: Yeah, I I think for me, I just, I think that people need to consider that this is the type of team that the ownership wants. Jim Nill has done his job. He put together that type of team. And until that philosophy changes, I really don't know how many, co- like it's all just, Reshuffling decks on the Titanic.
0: I mean, they're still they're still trying to react to Kari Lettinen getting shelled in Game Seven. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I the mean, the has got to stop at some point, right? <laughs> if the, the, like if this,
0: if this team was like a medieval household, one of the, the emblems on the crest would be that score because nothing, I, I don't know that I've short of Tom Hicks going bankrupt. I don't know that I've seen any events. And I've been here the whole time, right? I don't know that I've seen any event impact the stars as an organization more thoroughly and profoundly as I have Seen them overreact to aspects of the end of Lindy Ruff's tenure with the team.
1: But I just want to believe all they that. needed was a
0: backup yeah, goalie, you know. Taylor. That's all I'm saying. They didn't need to change philosophy, <laughs> they just needed. Needed a backup goaltender.
1: Now, That's all sorry. Jim Nill needs is like eight of them on the roster. Because <laughs> I mean, Carolina
0: <laughs> lost three tonight, so or two tonight. It is
1: the, the goaltending situation, which is probably a whole podcast in and of itself in this playoffs, has been absolutely wild.
0: Ebug. We
1: yeah, we are one step away from seeing an e bug have to play significant minutes oh, <laughs> in a playoff game.
0: There we go. I think I think <laughs> that putting that thought out into the universe is the best possible place to end this podcast. So I will I will say we're gonna we're gonna do uh, just for each of these games, give me a prediction, Taylor. What happens game two?
1: Miro Haskin eclipses thirty minutes <laughs>
0: I like that. I like that. i, I think I, I love that happy. prediction. What I'm gonna give you is I think the top line gets a goal All right. I do I think I think there's a, a they they didn't get what they wanted out of game one, and I think that's a that is a competitive skilled line that's gonna bounce back. and I don't know what the finals gonna be if I don't know if it'll be enough, but I think the top lines top line skating off the ice next game with a goal.
1: I was about to ask you, do you think that they come back to Dallas with this thing tied up?
0: Oof. I, I don't, I think, I think game one was their shot. I think they might steady the ship when they get to Dallas and and all of a sudden they've got last change, but I think their chance to get the split out of the first batch of games was last night. And I think that, that they could, but I think it's much more likely that this turns into a two to one series or and a two to two series. Once it shifts back to the Metroplex versus coming away with something in Calgary.
1: All right. I think the opposite. I think that they they look at this, and I think they get some confidence that they were able to to limit them to one one goal, and that was probably Calgary's best. And if they could play more like the middle frame,
0: why don't they just make the whole plane out, out of the black
1: box? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of ifs. I'm just saying, but you know. This is my time of year to be optimistic. I
0: I, 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 I could see that. I I I kind of ward with my own prediction in my mind. I I'm not gonna. I don't think that's a crazy prediction. I, I don't share it, but I, I think it would not. As with all things, Dallas, right? Shortinger's hockey team. It would not stun me if, to your point, Calgary does not play any better than they did in Game One. Dallas does, and it's a difference here. You know, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't stun me.
1: Dallas Stars. All
0: that's left is to see what they do on the ice. Thank you, Taylor, for your time. Uh, KT, for, for stitching this all together. And please, those of you in listener land, don't forget to download and like and, and do all of the things that give us all of the feedback that we so desperately crave. And um, we will uh, we will see you next game.